Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 130 with Rohan Pasari of Cialfo, uh, talking all about artificial intelligence and its role in supporting the mission of higher education, uh, both institutions and students. And we even talk a little bit about high school pathways and how all this kind of works into that space as well. Uh, but uh, uh, it's a great episode, great conversation, just sort of a serendipitous connection that's uh, happened a lot more uh, this year, which I'm very grateful for. It's been making my life uh, very easy in terms of uh, coordinating new episodes and new topics and really uh, new and different interesting people to uh, talk to. But uh, quick housekeeping notes here. So uh, this episode, as it comes out at the end of June, uh, in the middle of a heat wave here in uh, sunny Delaware, uh, where we just moved to, uh, me and my family into our first house, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, but as we are kind of emerging from a year of the pandemic and just being, uh, isolated and everything, we are looking forward to taking some time this summer to, uh, enjoy ourselves. And, uh, one thing that I am doing, uh, to help with that is putting the podcast on pause for just a couple of months. Uh, so July and August, we'll just have, uh, some rebroadcasts of old episodes, uh, to come back fresh into the feed, uh, to keep things active. But uh, we will be back with brand new episodes at uh, the start of September. So stay tuned for that. Uh, appreciate everybody's support and uh, checking out uh, all of our episodes and this one uh, in particular. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's get to it. Episode number 130 with Rohan Basari. I am uh, super excited for this episode uh, covering uh, another area that we've not really uh, kind of gone all in on is uh, artificial intelligence, AI in higher education. Uh, just sort of the role, the impact that it's having, uh, and folks who are just uh, really in the thick of it, uh, doing the work and kind of uh, utilizing the tools uh, to help hired professionals all over the country to do their work better and serving students and uh, all those sorts of things. So just like, I feel like it's another in a string of uh, kind of uh, covering ground that we've not really covered yet. So I'm very thankful for uh, the time and space here today. So we will start out as we always do uh, with a quick introduction and overview of your professional journey, Rohan, and how you got to be where you are today. So really, our journey started uh, when I was um, in high school myself, um, going through the process of college applications. So I grew up in India and you know, navigating uh, as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old through the complex uh, world of college applications is really daunting. And I remember when I was, um, uh, you know, uh, junior in high school, um, I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do, where I wanted to study, and um, I was at a loss. Um, and the running joke in India is, if you're not sure what you want to do, <laughs> you study engineering. Um, and, uh, you know, I was asked talking to my friends um, and seniors, and everyone encouraged me to take up engineering because I was studying science. So I had no really uh, parental pressure uh, as such, um, you know, my parents were super chill. Um, and so I ended up going to a career counselor to figure out, um, you know, more about myself. Um, a few aptitude tests later, lo and behold, <laughs> the test told me I should become an engineer. Um, so there I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But really, um, also the process of applying to colleges was in itself uh, super daunting. Um, and uh, we didn't really have a college counselor in my high school at the time. Um, and uh, you know, so I was, we were left uh, to our own means figuring out uh, the transition to university. Um, and at that time, I also you know, went out um, uh, to different institutions um, or companies in my city uh, to see who, who could help me. 
And at the time, the prevalent uh, service available was through agents. I'm not sure if you're aware of agents. You know, they work um, with families, uh, typically partner with institutions. Um, and really the feedback or the advice that I got uh, didn't seem quite right to me. Um, they seemed clearly biased um, in the advice they were giving. Um, and um, again, you know, I was, uh, I remained at a loss. Uh, at the same time, a couple of institutions from Singapore uh, came to my high school. Uh, that was National University of Singapore and Nanning Technological University. I had a great experience just listening to uh, them talk about the experience that I would have in college there. Um, and I was really enamored by the professors who came to talk um, uh, at our high school. Um, Singapore really was not even in my radar. Um, I was looking at the US, I had taken my CDs, um, got a 2350, but also the financial aid process as an international student was extremely daunting. And uh, uh, my parents were like, uh, son, we love you, but you know we don't have quite a quarter million dollars to fund the four-year degree. Um, so I ended up uh, applying uh, to the institutions in Singapore. I got a full scholarship. Um, and I ended up at NTU. I had a great education experience, um, but really it was an education experience by chance, uh, not by design. It was fortuitous that I met uh, those high schools directly, which inspired me. And that um, got me thinking that uh, this should not be how um, the transition from high school to university should be. Um, and, you know, that remained in my head. Uh, I went about in college, um, I tried my hand in investment banking. Um, and if you ask why investment banking, um, uh, really, when you realize when you don't want to do engineering, um, you figure out that investment banking is the next fit for you. Um, so I did that um, and I realized two things about myself. Uh, that money was not a motivating factor and I did not like investment banking. Um, so um, at the same time, um, I was uh, you know, back in India uh, for my summers um, of uh, the year before I was graduating from college. And my sister was uh, going through the same experience that I was, you know, completely at loss of you know, how to transition through college. And I was helping her figure that out. Um, then I started helping her friends. And then I came back uh, to Singapore and I was like, wait a minute, um, I really enjoyed myself, uh, you know, working with these students. How about, you know, we start an enterprise uh, to do this? So we graduated, uh, I, you know, I uh, got together with my co-founder, Stanley, uh, who we're still working with uh, together. Um, and we started um, this education consultancy uh, in Singapore to really help families and, uh, and, and the students navigate through the arduous process of college applications. So we did that for five years. Um, um, in our peak, we were helping about 200 students um, completely bootstrapped. But again, our mission was to make education accessible for millions of students globally. And we wanted to be able to scale our operations. And the only way to scale was through technology. Uh, we believed. Um, so we ended up selling uh, the education consultancy in 2017 to a private equity firm and used the proceeds that we got 
uh, through that sale to start C-Alpha, or as you see today, which is a technology company serving high schools and universities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I really appreciate you sharing that story. And it, you know, it's interesting, even, you know, kind of halfway around the world kind of thing where it's like, you know, facing the same struggles that, you know, really any student who's thinking about higher education faces, like you said, of like, you know, there's sort of like these layers they have to keep breaking through that all kind of have to, uh, you know, kind of line up and work out uh, for a student to really uh, choose like the best fit program at the best place, you know, to price and all that and a funding structure that works for them. Like it, it, you know, at any point they could hit enough friction to kind of just, you know, give up or end up at a place that uh, isn't suited to their needs or uh, best serving them and they might have to transfer or they stop out because it's not working out and all those sort of things. So I think, yeah, what you're sort of speaking to is like, you know, just like what you're realizing, like there has to be a better way and just like, you know, doing it now, obviously there's so much great technology out there and obviously just having that core inspiration uh, for this work, you know, just combining those two things uh, is really great. So I think, you know, now, yeah, we're, we're at so now more so the present day and the work that you're doing. So if you want to just talk a little bit more about uh, your company and, um, you know, the work that it does, just to make sure we kind of have that baseline. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that, right? Half here on the world, um, you know, students face the same problem. That's what we realized um, that, you know, it was not a me problem necessarily. Uh-huh. It was not a problem that was just faced by students in my city or even in India or even in Asia. It is very much a global problem. Um, and, um, you know, our, my own experience uh, of applying and my own experience of being an international student uh, inspired us to really try to solve this um, uh, in a global way. Uh, so Cialfo, um, the second company that we launched in uh, 2018, um, started off um, as a SaaS solution, uh, a software solution for high schools. Um, so we provide a software for high schools uh, to be able to help students uh, navigate that transition from high schools to universities. So it starts with uh, as early as grade nine students uh, using the platform. So in grade nine, students on a platform can go through multiple aptitude tests, personality assessments to really figure out um, A, more about themselves, uh, B, uh, what kind of uh, careers uh, would be a fit for them, and then what kind of courses or you know, majors they should be looking at um, first in high school and then in college. Um, so that's how it starts. And then it progresses to being a college search uh, engine. Um, so we have uh, over 50,000 university profiles on Cialfo that students can navigate through um, and also then apply to these universities through Cialfo itself. Um, and of course, you'll be like, you know, how can a 15-year-old navigate through 50,000 universities um, on, on Cialfo. Um, so that's where the AI elements come in, where we have recommendation engines based on student's profile. Um, we can uh, indicate what would be their academic fit, their preference fit, and their demonstrated interest um, in those colleges. Um, and and uh, really, um, you know, have the seamless experience of applying to the colleges. For high schools, there are other uh, solutions on reporting, um, engagement, which became really important over the last 18 months, uh, where you know students and schools were forced to go distance learning, go online learning, and that became a key uh, key tool um, to be able to stay engaged. So that's on the high school side. 
Then on the university side, uh, we uh, started really middle of last year uh, working with universities where universities use our software to be able to um, see what students uh, would be interested in them so they can use our data to strategize where to look for um, students uh, that would be a good fit for the university and then also uh, engage in different activities, events, um, and also on-demand content on our university to receive finally those applications to those universities. So for universities, it's really a recruiting uh, tool. Um, so we work with over 1,600 high schools around the world, um, and it's spread uh, almost equally around the world um, in Asia, North America, Europe. Um, and with universities, we moved from working with zero universities in April uh, 2020 to about a thousand universities end of last year. And we continue working with them um, this year as well. Yeah, I mean, that's really impressive. And uh, like you're kind of saying, like, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, fortuitous timing of, uh, you know, uh, more digital engagement needing to happen throughout the entire student pipeline. And uh, I appreciate you kind of also providing a context of both sort of on the high school side and the university side. And, you know, I guess wanting to focus a little bit more because you sort of spoke to like, you know, on the university side, they can see sort of uh, where, you know, more uh, engagement or interest is coming from uh, from students. Maybe, you know, uh, I'd imagine it'd be like, oh, we well, are getting a lot of traction in this, you know, region, you know, geographically or uh, people who are looking for this type of program or something, or, you know, these sort of maybe like amenities or something. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of sit with this for a bit of just sort of speaking more to sort of like, you know, cause I imagine you could have something set up with this. That's not sort of smartly enabled with AI or anything like that. So like, what do you feel like is sort of the, the, the plus one, the differentiator, like what's the benefit and, uh, what problems does, uh, AI help solve for sort of the higher ed side of things? Yeah, um, and before we go into right right into the question, right, um, our foray into working with university was really uh, came from our obsession uh, to help our clients, um, to help our community, um, and it was a couple of counselors early part of twenty twenty when you know the pandemic was really you know shaping up to be uh, what we ended up seeing uh, in the remainder of the year. Um, those visits, those college physical visits that happen, you know, all around the year uh, in different parts of the world uh, really came to a standstill. Um, and a couple of our counselors who were in the Alpha community were like, you know, how can we use the Alpha uh, to bridge that gap? Um, and uh, we were like, you know, we don't, we don't quite know how we can help you, but let's, uh, let's figure it out uh, together, right? Um, and uh, this is a new domain for all of us. So we ended up doing this event um, where we took, you know, the physical fairs online. And um, we thought it'll be for a couple of high schools, 500 students may show up, 20 universities will, you know, come down. But that event, the first event itself, we had 5,000 students attend, you know, 60 odd universities attended. And it just spiraled from there. Uh, well, um, we ended up doing in 2020 about 5,000 university sessions and 400,000 students attended uh, these events. But really what we saw was um, the recruiting that was happening, you know, went from a physical approach to a digital approach um, of using, you know, either Zoom or, you know, different kind of virtual uh, tools. But um, it was not using the full extent of um, 
the offerings that technology can give you, which really brings us uh, to AI. Universities have so much of data at their disposal um, to be able to really understand uh, which um, students would be, you know, would be a good fit for them. Not only just looking at um, which students would yield to that university, but also which students would be successful uh, in the environment that they provide to that university. Um, and, and that is where AI comes in. So in, instead of you know, taking the physical fairs just online, um, we are now you know, helping universities you know, use AI, use data that they have or even we have to be able to help them recruit students. But just broadly speaking, uh, right, how can AI help higher ed institutions? If you look at um, where universities are adopting technology, it's three main areas, right? It's student recruitment, delivery of their own curriculum, which is learning, and student welfare. Those are three broad areas. Um, now, student recruitment, if you go deeper, um, as I was saying, like we can use data um, or universities can use data uh, to help understand which students would yield and but also which students would be successful. Um, but they, we saw most of them were not really using it or they were giving the same pitch to students in Korea or students in Taiwan or students in India. Or stu um, and yes, they're all international students, but they behave you know, differently and they have different challenges in those countries and they're looking at different options in different ways. Um, so how can you use data to really even um, talk about uh, your institution very differently? Um, and again, AI has those answers. Um, so, so we see some universities are really using pandemic um, as an accelerant to transform their practices, but some universities are still slow um, in adopting, uh, you know, those um, artificial intelligence, you know, data uh, technology. So that's just on the recruitment side. Now, if you look at uh, the the curriculum side, uh, the learning side. Um, institutions have focused on providing high quality content, uh, but um, the way it was delivered or the, may, the way it was meant to be received hundred years back, where you all sit in an institute, you all sit in a classroom and have this professor, you know, talk about, you know, physics that inherently has not changed. Um, right. But AI can make it asynchronous. AI can make it a lot more personalized and allow students to absorb that content uh, in the way that will help them succeed the fastest. So those are just a couple of examples um, of how AI can help uh, higher ed. Well, yeah, and I guess just to put a cherry on top, uh, to add something that I've seen a lot too is like, uh, the utilization of things like chatbots that can like, you know, text with students and be, you know, pulling from a knowledge base. And I think that gets to the, you, you uh, sort of alluded to with like, kind of like just student wellness, because I think that, that can even yeah. be kind of interpreted broadly of just like, hey, like you're checking in with students, make sure that they, you know, are getting problems solved and, uh, you know, kind of opening yourselves up more in a way that is more scalable than obviously like having a person manually text you know, hundreds, thousands of people or anything, even, even having to like, it, it, like a tool that can like do mass, you know, mass text messages. Like, it's like, okay, well, are you person or people going to respond to all of the messages? Like, yeah, at least have like a bot who can like, you know, triage things and escalate, you know, whatever that 
is not able to answer and those sort of things. So yeah, I mean, there's just so much opportunity of being able exactly. to, like you said, like analyze and sort of serve up the wealth of data that uh, universities get again, sort of throughout the entire uh, sort of pipeline and student experience. And um, cause yeah, I mean, I think it made me think too, of like what you're even mentioning with like just your platform of um, you know, on more of like the recruitment side where, you know, an institution could just see where they're getting a lot of like interest or traction or whatever. And like, you know, that idea of like how you market uh, that you were kind of speaking to as well, where like, you know, I see a lot where it's just like, oh, wow, look, like a huge billboard on the highway. It's like, that's the example where you're kind of just like, here, everybody and anybody who's just driving on this road, you're all seeing like the same, you know, just sort of general message versus like, yeah, being able to like, you know, target digital ads or something like that, you know, more so on like, wow, we're getting a lot of traction or interest in this area. Let's kind of contour uh, more towards that to kind of speak about the value that we can give to a particular population or something. So yeah, I mean, it's just being able to, yeah, gleam those insights and have something that's sort of like uh, tracking uh, and kind of serving up like, oh, this is like a top, you know, sort of uh, indicator. So yeah. And, and, um, and uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, correctly about bots and like those technology already exists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not uh, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about something in the future. Uh, this is the, this is the present. Uh, there are industries that are using this technology. So the audience that you're targeting as a university, the Gen Z, they are used to, they are digital natives. They are used to uh, being, you know, uh, interacting <laughs> with bots. Right, or they would maybe prefer, um, you know, uh, the use of technology than you know something else. Um, and uh, even for um, you know, you're speaking about billboards, but even at a more fundamental level, when you look at you know big companies like an Amazon or you know Coca Cola, uh, their marketing or their messaging would be significantly different uh, for different countries. Um, right, so even at that, at the minimum, um, you know, we didn't see that happening. Um, when we were, you know, hosting those um, online fairs, and that is the change uh, that we now are bringing with universities. And of course, you know, there's a lot of early adopters, a lot of uh, visionary uh, directors of admissions, uh, VBs of enrollment uh, that see that and are moving in that uh, direction as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting stuff, and just uh, yeah, just great to hear kind of what your experience has been. So. Uh, sort of speaking again, kind of generally, because I think, you know, AI can kind of be maybe something that people are like reticent about or confused about. So um, I'm sure maybe you, you've already faced this, you know, speaking to how you've like, you know, been working with some innovative and forward thinking uh, organizations. There's, you know, I'm sure just as many who uh, question the value or just don't understand uh, the value of AI. So like, how, how do you kind of like, I guess, grapple with that? Because I think it, it is such a like, it's a new thing. It's having really great impacts. But I think, you know, a lot's happened so quickly that some people are maybe just kind of, you know, taken aback. So how do you kind of uh, work with people to better understand uh, the value of AI? Yeah, first of all, I would say I get it, um, right? Uh, that is, I understand the confusion and the reticence. Change is hard. Um, if you look at, you know, um, the 70s or the 80s, um, you know, um, and where the world was moving fast to being a digital one, there was a lot of reticence um, in different parts of the world uh, about a lot of things. Um, but uh, you know, the present the world is very much dig- digital. The Gen Z that is you know uh, that is coming up uh, are digital natives. Uh, they want they probably can't even fathom a world which is not digital. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, we I'm a millennial and, you know, I transitioned from a non-digital world to a digital world in my teens and 20s. Um, so I still, you know, go between uh, taking notes on paper and, you know, taking notes on my computer. Um, but I still write long form articles um, on my, you know, on my computer. Uh, right. But this Gen Z uh, are now writing long form articles on their phones. That's how this, you know, this generation is growing up. The next generation after Gen Z, I don't know what you're going to call them, uh, that's, uh, that's when, but um, they're going to be AI natives. They're not going to be able to fathom a world which is not personalized, where they're not consuming information or technology which is not personalized to their preferences and their needs. Yes, change is hard, um, but uh, AI is not the future. AI is the present. Um, and we are consumers of AI, whether we understand that or not. Um, and and I think part of the confusion uh, in the higher ed is also the speed at which they feel like they are needing to adapt or adopt it, right? Um, without this pandemic, they felt like they had this time uh, to, you know, shift to this new world. Uh, and the pandemic has been this forceful, accelerated um, change, and it's overwhelming. Um, and while this technology exists, as we spoke about, because it has not received widespread adoption yet, um, it still needs to be adapted to this community uh, in the higher ed. So the ed tech providers are still adapting uh, the use of AI, the use of technology to fit the needs of higher ed and students and counselor and all the audiences that exist in this ecosystem. And it'll take a couple of cycles, um, even with this accelerated change. Um, and honestly, like even the ed tech providers uh, can do a better job of uh, educating, informing, um, and getting really higher ed institutions involved uh, as a partner um, and not just um, uh, a product that they need to sell. Um, so it works and works, uh, it needs to work from all sides. My thought always is just like, I try to frame it where it's like, it's because I think the other thing, like the reticence too is like, oh, well, yeah, we get, we get this bot or something and it's going to like replace me. Like, why do we even need people working in the office anymore or something? But, um, you know, especially with how they've taken shape in higher ed and um, certainly pretty much everywhere else too, but like that, you know, it can triage a lot of frequently asked questions that you like build a knowledge base around, but like uh, it still needs humans, you know, like it still needs people. So it's not replacing, it's kind of augmenting. Correct. And uh, yeah, the idea that like allows, uh, yeah, especially these like forward thinking, uh organizations to really like scale up, have, you know, bigger and broader and better impact, uh, you know, and, and for our sake here, kind of like just serving students better. You know, these, these are students that, you know, increasingly are studying online and, you know, from anywhere in the world, different time zones, like just to be able to meet them uh, where they're at, uh, when they need help and all that. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. AI empowered tools are, you know, a great way to do that. Yeah. They're, they're both sides of, um, you know, the spectrum, right. I mean, there are some people who'd be like the future of higher ed is all online. It's all OPMs. And I don't, I don't believe that either. Right. Future of higher right. ed is not all online. It's not all automated. Um, that absolutely we live, we are human beings. We want other human beings around us at the end of the day. Uh, and, uh, uh, I think the future of higher ed is still blended. Um, um, you know, just like the future work um, is blended. Um, uh, if you ask people, you know, what they would 
you know, think about being all remote before the pandemic, there will be like no way. Um, and now once people have been forced to, to you know, work from home, um, it's going to be hard to go back to a, like a five-day work week. And honestly, uh-huh. people don't think it is needed. So it's the same with higher ed uh, and AI. Uh, it's going to be somewhere in between. Um, it's not going to be no people are needed, no professors are needed. It's all, it's all um, you know, uh, data-driven and personalized and automated. Um, but it's also not going to, certainly not going to go back to 2019 ways. Yeah, I mean, because I've talked to a lot of people just sort of the idea of like, uh, I think what we're going to be uh, increasingly seeing is the hybrid university. And it's exactly. kind of taking like, you know, yeah, like the best of both worlds, like what's best served through digital means, what, you know, really needs a human. And because, yeah, like obviously there's so much uh, research and people have like, you know, built these theories around like the value of faculty engagement and, you know, social engagement for students with their peers and those sort of things. It's like, well, yeah, we can do that in person for some things and then have opportunities for digital engagement. That's more kind of like, you know, asynchronous, you know, through stuff like Slack or Discord or whatever, you know, and then also bring students together and people for like a really great speaker on campus or like a, you know, like a concert or something like that. that, Those are things where it's just like, it's really nice to like be in community with people to like, you know, share that experience, but then also have the opportunities to like then chat about how awesome that event was on Slack or something, you know, like with people are like, you know, talk about your class with your faculty, you know, through a platform like that and those sort of things. So, um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's like kind of, I think a lot of it too with like, because some of those are like, that's like, to me, like the bare minimum of just saying like, yeah, I mean, I think everybody, like every program and school and, you know, campus should, you know, have Slack and for everybody and they can like connect there. But then like what you um, kind of do with that to optimize it through maybe AI where you can like sit like, okay, in the beginning of the week, I'm going to like schedule out, you know, our like bot to be like automating out you know, pre-scheduled messages to like make announcements or whatever, like that you can like really like, you know, realize the full potential of a variety of things that we kind of uh do to shape the student experience you know sort of the the campus experience uh through a variety of tools that could say like oh well this is like the best time to like share these kind of messages to get the most engagement or like you know like it's always like tracking and learning and so yeah i mean so so much uh great opportunity and everything and i think to kind of segue from that of the idea of like that yeah these these tools are here they are uh increasingly being used they're always getting better um, so just, you know, from, from your own point of view and your experience, like, what are you looking forward to in your work in this space right now? Yeah. Um, institutions are undergoing this massive shifts around the world. Um, right. Um, some of, uh, a lot of these institutions, institutions that we speak with are excited, um, and looking forward to the changes and using uh, the pandemic, uh, in some ways as an opportunity, uh, to overhaul the practices. Um, uh, and, uh, and we see ourselves as an accelerant of that change. Uh, we are um, fortunate to be in a position that can partner with the universities, um, help them with this adoption, educate them about uh, this adoption, and really shape the new world, uh, which I also believe uh, will make education a lot more accessible. Um, you know, uh, to, to that earlier point as well, you know, students are not looking for a four-year degree, which is all online. Even if it, you know, decreases the price, uh, you know, multifold, students want a community, as you said. Um, And with uh, the way the online learning can be shifted um, uh, or or learning can be shifted online, uh, it can make um, education a lot more accessible. And we are doing a lot of work in um, uh, really making education accessible uh, for students and um, universities to be able to connect directly with uh, with these students. So that is something that we're really looking forward to. 
uh, how we can continue partnering with high schools and universities. Um, and also, uh, what's been really interesting uh, to see is this massive uh, talent boom uh, in our space. Um, you know, uh, it's it's no um, it, it's not a surprise uh, for a lot of folks to see that um, uh, edtech is receiving a lot of uh, VC funding, a lot of institutional funding, uh, which is attracting also a very high quality of talent, um, which has never really been seen before. Um, and this uh, this quality of talent that we even we've been attracting at Cialfo um, are those you know who are working um, in other industries who now want to work in education because they feel like you know they can make a bigger impact in the world through education than being in some of the other industries like e-commerce or taxi healing or you know uh, what it may be. And I I am every day looking forward to working with really this incredibly talented team and learning from them. Um, every day as we shape uh, the new world. Great stuff. Uh, love to hear it. And uh, I think uh, as we're winding down, we always do like to take a moment if you have anything that you'd like to share um, as you're you know, learning and growing, you know, what you're seeing out there, what you're engaging with, any resources that you'd like to share that we could uh, put in the show notes. Resources. Um, I, um, you know, I constantly read or hear actually a couple of podcasts um, uh, besides yours, uh, Dustin, um, Masses of Scale is is a good one that I uh, read a lot um, or hear a lot. Uh, um, I constantly read articles from you know inside uh, higher ed um, to you know be abreast uh, with you know things that are happening in higher ed. But really, a couple of these podcasts like Masses of Scale or SaaS DR allows me to see what's happening in other industries and really learn from other industries and you know bring it to edtech, bring it to education, because there are industries which are more mature than edtech um, at this point. And uh, there are a lot of uh, business leaders, you know, who've gone through this massive shift in their industries and learning from them has been really interesting. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of um, uh, ones that I um, would recommend uh, if people are, even if you're a higher ed professional, um, you know, your sources of inspiration does not always need to come from um, the industry itself. Um, often it comes from other industries. So recommend a couple of those um, books, especially for uh, higher ed leaders. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I feel, I feel like you already had such a beautiful sense of it in the other uh, question, but I'll, I'll just see if there's anything else, any sort of like uh, final thoughts, inspirational quotes, calls to action, uh, anything that you'd like to share uh, to wrap up the episode, uh, you know, about this topic. Sure. Um, let me think. Um, so I would say there are two types of higher ed folks uh, that, you know, we meet on a daily basis. Um, or, you know, if we can put them in two buckets and it's not the only way uh, to bucketize the folks that we speak, but let's just say these are two ways. One is those that are really looking forward to this opportunity um, of adopting um, AI in their practices, be in recruitment or learning or student welfare in different ways, right? And really using this opportunity to change or overhaul the student experience. Um, for those uh, folks, I would say, like, work with companies uh, who you see as long-term partners, right, who, who have an education background themselves, you know, who want to make a difference uh, for the long term, um, and who really want to work with you as partners and not just as vendors who want to sell you something. And work with them as partners as well to really shape the higher ed because you uh, would be an important um, uh, player in shaping 
uh, how higher operates for decades to come. And those second group, I would say, uh, the ones who, as you described, Dustin, um, slightly confused or reticent, um, to them, I would say, just start somewhere. Um, start with a conversation, start with listening to a podcast, uh, attend webinars, see what your peers are up to, who, you know, who are early adopters. Um, it can be overwhelming, um, but I promise you, uh, the sooner you start the conversation um, with whoever in a tech, you know, be it CF or whoever you feel comfortable with, um, you'll soon start seeing this more as an opportunity than a challenge, an opportunity for you to save your team time, budget resources, and also, more importantly, carbon footprint um, and get better outcomes. Always appreciate a final thought, call to action to like uh, listen to podcasts to, to learn and grow. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I think uh, an episode like this, hopefully it would be kind of the appetizer to get somebody to be like, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, like look, look into this a little more and do a little bit more uh, research and all that. Cause I think, yeah, with so many things of just like the things that I'm exposed to and work with every day and kind of, you know, see and know and understand the uh, the value of them, you know, over the past year, so many more people have been exposed and I'm looking forward to hopefully, uh, uh, more like, you know, research or just sort of like, you know, data or things that, uh, folks just like sharing their experiences, uh, you know, help might, uh, keep pushing this along and further adoption and just further, uh, you know, opportunities for, for impact for, for students and institutions and everything. And just, you know, certainly echo. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying in terms of just like, uh, forging these partnerships too because i think that's something that's kind of an evolution of the space as well as where uh, i'm seeing a lot more just earnestly uh committed uh organizations uh you know these ed tech tools and platforms and all these sort of things that really just want to partner with universities have an active ongoing relationship to uh you know just drive further success for students like we just you know know so much now how important uh you know, furthering someone's education is and wanting to make that as uh, accessible as possible and uh, supporting students to be successful. And, you know, certainly, you know, we've talked a lot about of just like helping students to uh, find the right choice, uh, you know, institution and program and, you know, just understand uh, things better and just have that process be uh, easier for them. So. Um, Absolutely. Exciting yeah. times ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, I appreciate you so much for, for all that you've shared and for taking time out and we'll have ways to uh, connect with you and the things that you mentioned and uh, everything uh, down in the show notes as usual. So uh, just thank you so much, Rohan, for, for hanging out. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate it. Awesome. This was uh, fun. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.